I'm going to keep it 100 with you because I always do. I have no idea what time it is. It is Wednesday sometime. Um, I haven't slept since Monday. At approximately 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, I was struck with an unexpected blow. My entire show script, three days of stats and research and grinding disappeared. And before the tech people try to help me out, listen, I have autosave on my Mac. I have auto backup to the cloud. I did everything right. Yet a few days ago, my Mac auto updated and my Word has had problems ever since. It stops working and you have to force quit and reopen. Listen, long story short, all my work was gone. I called IT. I Googled it. While sober, I will add that. Um, it's gone. Can't auto-recover. Can't restore. Vamos, son of a bitch. So there I was at 8 p.m. on studio night with 36 hours of work needed to be done in about four hours. And I'm not going to lie. I took a 30-minute mental health break. Tried to woosah use my pressure points, and ask God why. To which he replied, because you bet Miami last week, and I just don't like you very much. But they covered the spread, I shouted at the sky, waiting for men in white coats to come uh, haul me away. But then I summoned my have to. You know, it's where you go when you got no other options. So like a mother lifting a two-ton vehicle off the ground to save her child, I will lift this show from the depths of hell and deliver. Because there are people out there grinding, from Thailand to the Virgin Islands and all 30 of the countries we have listeners in. There are people who wake up every morning and they look for an escape, an escape from politics and tragic news, an escape from the pressures of work and life, the regulators out there who just need an hour of sports that is not filled with clickbait and hot takes. These are my people, and I will not let them down. So today may not be the best show. The show I had prepared, the one that Bill Gates and Tim Cook stole from you, was an amazing show. This show might be a little subpar, but I will give you everything that I have for as long as I have until the sun comes up and I turn to dust. So if thou dost comprehend, let's get into week eight. But let's start off on a high note, shall we? Listen, we went seven and two against the spread last week, and we hit our four-way parlay. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I swear, I'm waiting for my bookie to call me and say, listen, you guys need to stop. You need to just kill it. You know, I love the relationship we have with the MyBookie folks, but let's clean these fuckers out. You know, what do you say? I mean, how can you listen to this podcast, track our receipts, and go, ah, fuck it. I don't like money. 
Speaking of which, my bookie is not just for NFL. This week, they have the NBA lock of the season. What is a lock? A lock is simply put a bet you can't lose. And with my bookie, you can't lose with the NBA lock of the season. When you bet on either team to score between the Dallas Mavericks or the Denver Nuggets this Friday, you win. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you know this is a sure bet. Place your bet, they score, you win. It's that easy. Get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and throw down on UFC 267 this weekend. My bookie is also giving users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship fight between Jan Blowovich and Glover Teixeira. So, don't wait. Head to mybookie.ag now and use my promo code REGULATORS and get in on the NBA lock of the season. That's promo code REGULATORS. It's a lock. Get your season started with a win. Thank me later. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Now, before we get into the betting lines and, you know, just some, in case you missed it, recent NFL rumblings, the league owners met in person on Tuesday for their fall meeting. They discussed many things, including the Rooney Rule, Deshaun Watson, and the taunting personal fouls. The messages coming out of the meeting were overwhelmingly that they will continue to direct officials to flag players who give other players mean looks and shit. So we know it's dumb as hell, but it doesn't look like they care at all what we the fans think. Goodell, Goodell also said that at this time they do not have information that warrants putting Deshaun Watson on the exempt list. A reporter who will go nameless says that the Miami Dolphins have agreed on compensation for Deshaun Watson, but want him to settle his court cases before they execute the trade. Now, Watson has been adamant that he will only settle those cases if there are no NDAs, because otherwise he feels like it's an admission of guilt. So he doesn't want the case to be sealed. He wants it to be open where the information is available to people. So um, I, for one, honestly cannot wait for the trade deadline. Only days away at this point because I have been taking notes and I don't normally name names, but let me tell you something. Next week's show will be a bloodbath, one way or the other. The media has been peddling smut and hard narcotics for a year now, and next week, I'm bringing out the receipts. You motherfuckers. Okay? I'm putting case on cases on all you bitches. So you think you can do this to me and the public at large? Just wait. Until then, it's going to be a wild week. So buckle up. The socials are going to get crazy. But let's try and talk football for a week. Let's start with the teams that are on bye weeks. As I sip from... One of the last glasses I have of rum left because it has been a hell of a night. So the Baltimore Ravens are on by, sitting at 5-2, and two, and Baltimore could use a break. 
The defense has been taking most of the weeks off anyway, so what the hell, what's another week? Um, it was really embarrassing what happened to them at the hands of Cincinnati this past week. Um, but, you know, let's let's give them some love. Let's talk about some positive things. Uh, shout out to their special teams. So the Ravens special teams leads the league with 17 yards per return on punts. That's really, really high. Um, it's really great when you get almost an automatic 20 yards in your favor. So they also lead the league with 3,535 all-purpose yards. So again, we mentioned it last week. If they could get the defense to just show up and start playing ball, then nobody's going to stop the Ravens. Nobody will stop them at all. But unfortunately, that defense is is just not where it needs to be at this point in the season. So we'll see what happens after the bye week. Speaking of bye weeks, Las Vegas Raiders also on a bye week, also 5-2. and two. So they beat the Eagles. And, you know, I'm sure you've noticed that five minutes into the show or whatever it is I'm stuttering a little bit or I'm you know misspeaking again I haven't slept since Monday and I'm doing everything I can to get through this show so bear with me I promise we're gonna get through it together let me get a little bit more rum here Ah, but we're gonna get through this so again Vegas beat the Eagles with over 400 yards of offense. Derek Carr was lights out, 31 of 34, 323 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Hopefully, over the bye week, Waller can get healthy because that's definitely someone that they need in their arsenal as they move forward. Now, let's talk about the first game of the week. Thursday night football, you've got the Green Bay Packers taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Green Bay is favored, uh, I'm sorry, Arizona is favored in this one by six and a half. This was originally, I I think, like a three and a half point line for Arizona, but obviously just with the Devontae Adams news where he he is most likely going to be out for this game, the line moved that much. So now Green Bay is a dog in this one by six and a half points, and I love Green Bay to cover the six and a half points. Now, it's not going to be an easy task. I'll tell you that right now. But I do like Green Bay to cover the six and a half points, and wait till you hear the fucking teaser that I got on this game, and I will explain it to you later. If you're new to the show, if you don't know how this works, we run through all 32 teams, run through every single matchup, I tell you the betting lines, the fantasy advice, what we're looking at, and then at the end, I give you my parlays, my super parlays, and lots of great stuff. So stay tuned for that at the end because we got some teasers courtesy of my bookie this week, and I'll tell you all about that later. But let's start with the Packers. So last week, Aaron Rodgers you know, phoned it in with 27 for 35, 274 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Big Bob got things going, got in the end zone. Aaron Jones didn't do much, but, you know, A-Rod has to play an actual football team this week. And he's going to need his best work against the number one defense in football. So I think that, you know, it's tough with Adams. There is still a long shot that Adams actually gets cleared to play on Thursday night. 
The situation is that he is fully vaccinated. So because of that, he just needs two negative um, COVID tests within 24 hours apart. Or, or I'm sorry, at least 24 hours apart. So that means that there is a hypothetical situation where he could travel separately uh, away from the team um, to Arizona. And as long as he gets at least one negative test by, you know, Wednesday, then, you know, he could get the second one on Thursday and he could technically be eligible for the game. Excuse me. Um, it's a long shot, but, you know, we'll kind of have to see how it plays out. And while I was prepping for the show the first time, you know, we saw that Adams was going to be out, and I was so hyped to tell you about Alan Lazard and, you know, how m- much uh, he was available in all of these leagues, and all of a sudden he got thrown on the COVID list too. So he is going to be out, so that is not an option that you will have available to you. But I still think that Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. Now, don't get me wrong. This is going to be a really tough game for them. But I think they can cover the six and a half. And again, when I tell you about the teaser that I got um, later later in the show, you're you're definitely going to jump all over it. So let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, though. Arizona, last undefeated team remaining. They improved to 7-0 and by donkey punching the Texans back to 1999 last week. And, you know, I expect more the same out of them as far as their production this week. You know, I think from a fantasy perspective, the back split is tough with Connor and Edmonds back there. They're really, even if you look at last week, it was kind of an even split right down the middle as far as touches. Um, There's not a lot to have confidence in there, but the offense is so high powered that if push comes to shove and you have to choose somebody, you know, an Arizona Cardinal wouldn't be a bad way to go. And even their wide receivers are eating. You look at A.J. Green, who is just blast from the past all of a sudden. Um, You know, Ertz has already showed that his trade value was worth it. He went 3 for 66 and a touchdown in last week's game. The Cardinals have the number four scoring offense and the number one scoring defense. So this is a team that I am personally restraining myself from throwing all the big bags on Arizona to the Super Bowl, which if you go check out the futures on my bookie, they literally already have it set up where you can go into the NFC championship game and just pick a team that will either win a division or win the NFC championship game to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I'm heavily, heavily watching those um, because very, very soon I'm going to be throwing a lot down that way. But let's talk about our next game, which is the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Atlanta Falcons are favored by three in this game, and I like the Falcons to cover by three. I actually took almost all of the spreads this week. You know, you guys, if you listen to the show, you understand that you don't need to bet every spread. That's not how the system works. It's about making money, and it's about getting the right picks. So some weeks I pick less spreads than others, but this week I like a lot of the spreads. So including this one, let's start with Carolina. 
you know, last week the Panthers showed up to a gunfight with the Swiss Army Sam Darnold. That's not going to get it done. Sam Darnold now has 13 turnovers this season and was benched for an XFL player. After this organization traded a second, a fourth, and a sixth to get Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is so basic that he belongs in a fucking pumpkin patch, live, laugh, and loving his pumpkin spice latte. I have no idea what the Panthers saw when they pulled off this trade, and now there's rumors that the Panthers are also in the Deshaun Watson mix. So what you're telling me is the same people who were in charge of sending those three picks for Sam fucking Darnold are going to be in charge of sending six picks or more that will be premium picks to the Houston Texans. Doesn't seem like a great idea. Not that the Panthers couldn't use Watson or not that they shouldn't try to upgrade from Sam Darnold, but the idea that you're letting the same people pull the strings is kind of a an issue for me. But having said that, you know, last week Chuba didn't impress much and you know, it's really hard to trust the Carolina Panthers offense overall. DJ Moore is obviously your best shot at a fantasy player, but it's hard to even trust him just with the quarterback play that's going on. On the Falcons' side of the ball last week, they eked out a win over Miami. Kyle Pitts was 7 for 163 yards. Calvin Ridley did his disappearing act that's become so popular, but when Pitts is doing what he's doing, you know, it's it's hard to really kind of complain from a Falcons standpoint. This week, I expect more of the same. They're going to feed Pitts and try to get Patterson the ball in space. He didn't have a superior week uh, last week, but you know, against Carolina, I think they have a chance to uh, get him the ball in space and, and make some things happen. The next game that we have up is the Tennessee Titans at Indianapolis. Now, Tennessee is favored by one and a half points in this game. Last week, you know, Derrick Henry is apparently throwing touchdowns now. Like, we don't have enough shit to worry about uh, when you're trying to game plan for Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown, eight catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. Always nice to see. What I'm really looking for this week from the Titans' perspective is for Julio Jones to get back in the fray. You know, obviously, they went and made the trade for him. They thought that this was going to be that great one-two punch similar to what they had last year with Corey Davis, who they let go, um, and he ended up being with the Jets. And so I would really love to see Julio kind of come back into that Julio Jones that we know and that we love so much. So that's what I'm looking for out of the Texans on the Colts side of the ball. Listen, last week, I swear to God, man, Brett Favre put on a Colts uniform because Carson Wentz was tossing bullshit up in the air, and it was just astounding to me. Fortunately for Carson Wentz and the Colts, they got like 200 yards of pass interference calls. I don't know if DBs are even taught to look back for the ball anymore because this year alone, I have seen more pass interference calls that were warranted because the QB just throws it up. It's often underthrown, 
and the wide receiver is coming back to the ball. DB doesn't even look and just runs right into him and just plows him. Like, like I feel like that's fundamental shit 101. And, you know, I, I get it, man. Like, I'm sitting here on a podcast and these guys are playing football. But, I mean, holy shit, man. Like, turn and look for the ball. And it's not a flag. All you got to do is turn your head around, throw your hand up like you're trying to defend. Like, that's it. But it's just crazy. So, I think uh, Wentz actually had, like, only 150 passing yards, but because of all the pass interference, you know, they're able to beat San Francisco 30-18. to um, Pittman and Taylor, both over 100 yards, and Mo Alley-Cox, who we've talked about a lot on this show, got in in the end zone as well. So, Cox is an intriguing flex for tight end this week. If you got to stick somebody in there, stick Cox in there, you know? That's what she said. So they have to try and slow down Henry. It's a tough task, but that's what the Colts have to do to try to stay in this game this week, and we'll see how it plays out. Now, a game that could get ugly fast. Miami Dolphins are in Buffalo taking on the Buffalo Bills. Now, Buffalo's favored by 13 and a half in this game. I'm not putting a straight bet on this. I will tell you how it ties into one of my other bets later in the show. I do like the over at 49.5. Now let's talk about the Dolphins. Last week, Miami lost a close one for the second straight week. Tua was 32 of 40, 291 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. And I want to be clear. Since Tua has come back, he has been the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. He last week, hit his wide receiver's hands on 97% of his throws. And if you actually go watch the tape, the two interceptions that were thrown, while not great decisions, could have easily been completed passes. And I was at the game, and when I was there, the picks looked horrendous. They looked like Chad Henney type bad. Like they just... Jay Cutler type bat. They just, they looked horrific, right? Meanwhile, when you go back and you watch the All-22, you watch the end zone camera and you see how these things kind of played out, I'll give you an example on one of them. The one that they had got the ball after turnover and, of course, Austin Jackson gets blown up, two is about to get killed, and he's trying to get rid of this ball. Waddle had sat down in a zone right in front of Tua. And Tua reaches back and cocks it. And as he goes to flip it to Waddle, Waddle moves and moves out of the way. And the linebacker comes up and picks the ball. So, again, that was Waddle trying to run away and get open. But literally when Tua let go of that ball, Waddle was right there. I got the screenshots, man. So that's one. The second one, which was actually the first pick, um, that was in the end zone. The receiver just completely did not, I don't want to say didn't run the correct route because the route was technically correct, but they they didn't snap it and run it in a way that it should have been ran. Um, This is the thing is people don't understand that most NFL throws, especially on out routes, are timing routes. You have a certain amount of drops, you practice this, 
and you let go of it before a guy is even out of his break. When Tua let go of that ball, the guy wasn't even out of his break yet. And when he makes his break, he kind of half-ass rounds it out to where the safety is instead of snapping it out, blocking that guy off. And either way, listen, a pick is a pick, and it is what it is. But the point is, 97% of his throws hit the wide receivers in the hand. Don't even get me started on the fucking drops that Miami Dolphins lead the league in drops. But long story short, if you think that the Miami Dolphins giving up six-plus premium picks in the draft for a guy who won four games last year will make this team a playoff team, then I can't help you. You're a casual, and respectfully, you don't have a clue what the fuck you're talking about. Now this week, the Miami Dolphins taking on Buffalo. Fantasy-wise, Miles Gaskin has 53 points in three weeks, and Malcolm Brown just went to IR. So this guy is a solid flex. Also, Jalen Waddell has a high floor, especially in PPR. Unfortunately, that crispy aroma that you will be smelling as you're at the stadium this weekend is not hazelnut. No, my friends, that will be the smell of the Miami defense getting roasted by Josh Allen and the Bills. So prayers up for the Dolphins secondary, even though I get it, highest paid fucking secondary, like don't even get me started, but the numbers are what the numbers are, and right now, these guys are Basuda. So, having said that, the Buffalo Bills have the number two scoring offense and the number two scoring defense in the NFL. I mean, I don't know how anybody does not expect a really good chance of a Buffalo Bills-Arizona Cardinals Super Bowl. I think this is Buffalo easy over Miami this week, and I think any wide receiver wearing a Buffalo Bills uniform is going to get into the mix. So if you got to flex somebody in, do it with confidence. Let's talk about a team who's not doing shit with confidence, and that's the New York Jets. So they're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, and Cincinnati is favored by 10.5 points in this game. You know how I feel about the large spreads. However, I'm taking Cincinnati by the 10.5 in this one. So last week, the Bengals beat down the Ravens like a stepdad whose son didn't put the rake back on the hook in the garage. So they took down an AFC favorite, divisional rival, and they took their fucking lunch money and gave them an atomic wedgie. Joe Burrow was 23 of 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Jamar Chase, eight catches for 201 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, the, they should have taken a tackle over Chase Train. Um that whole shit has left the building. Um, that train's left the station. It's not coming back. It's a one-way deal. And Chase was obviously the right pick. And the Bengals seem to have some level of competence, uh, apparently. Now, this week, fantasy-wise, we know about Joe Mixon. We know about Chase. We know about Uzama and these guys. But the Bengals' defense is available in damn near every league. And they're taking on the New York Jets. I don't have to tell you what that means. 
understand, comprende, get the Bengals' defense, start them against the Jets this week. Now, on the Jets' side of the ball, the Jets got domestically assaulted by New England last week, and honestly, someone should have called CPS by halftime. Zach Wilson, obviously we know he got hurt. He's going to miss some time. But fortunately, Mike White stepped in and threw two picks right away. So consistency should not be an issue with the New York Jets. 13.3 points per game is a joke. It's an embarrassment. And also, the Jets are the only team in the NFL without an interception. So if I'm a Jets fan this week, only thing I'm looking for is an interception. Can we get a fucking interception? Can we do that? Let's try to do that, and then maybe we'll try to get a tackle in the next game. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But whatever it is, we'll figure it out together. Speaking about a team that figured it out together, the Cleveland Browns, last week, they handled the Denver Broncos with their three offensive stars missing. Dearness Johnson, 168 all-purpose yards. Chubb is actually practicing this week, so very huge, obviously, if he returns. The Browns are averaging 170 rushing yards per game, which is just stupid. Even when you say it out loud, it's just ridiculous in today's NFL. Um, Fantasy-wise, the wide receivers are sus. I have zero trust, really, in the wide receivers. And it's not even necessarily a reflection on the wide receivers themselves. It's just, it's the scheme, it's the injuries, it's it's everything. Um, but let's look at the Steelers. So obviously they were on bye last week. They still have the second worst rushing team as far as yards. And, you know, they've been scrapping to stay in games. Mike Tomlin was actually hot this week. Uh, He was asked about him taking the USC job. And he said that he has the best job in football. And, quote, there aren't boosters with big enough blank checks, end quote. And he's not wrong. I mean, why would he leave an NFL professional team, especially one like the Steelers, to go coach college? And, you know, he, he was really miffed. He was like, are you asking Andy Reid those questions? Are you asking Pete Carroll those questions? Like, why are you asking me this? Um, so, you know, he was triggered a little bit. But the Steelers' front line is going to be a menace for Baker. And honestly, I think this should be a hell of a game. Um, I'm really excited for this. And I could see it going either way, but I like Cleveland by the three and a half. I just, I think that if Chubb's back... I think it's a completely different ball game, and I think Cleveland walks on Pittsburgh. Um, If not, then it could go either way, and your guess is as good as mine. But let's talk about the next game, another Pennsylvania team. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are three-and-a-half-point favors at Detroit. Now, this is one of the few that I'm not taking action on, just doesn't give me the nice warm and fuzzy so last week the eagles uh couldn't handle the raiders high-powered offense and unfortunately dropped to two and five this week we know that miles sanders is out and you know that may help gain well but 
not near the goal line. I'm not saying not to play Gainwell because he will get the added touches, but when they actually run the list of most goal line carries, um, Jalen Hurts is top five on that list. It's almost all running backs, obviously, but Jalen Hurts is going to keep it near the goal line. So that's something that, you know, is going to steal away. And Miles Sanders not being available, I mean, whatever. He's one of the best running backs in football, and the Eagles don't utilize him at all. But you've heard enough about that on every single podcast that I've done. So the Eagles average five yards per carry, which is the fourth best in the NFL. So between Hertz and Sanders, they're going to ground and pound and they're going to get a lot of yards um, through the rushing attack. One of the biggest bugaboos for the Eagles is that they are the worst penalized team in the NFL. So obviously that's not going to win you ball games. From a fantasy perspective, Goddard and Smith are kind of boomer bust. They both have value. They both have potential, obviously more so in a PPR setting. But other than that, it's definitely kind of, you know, pick your poison and, and hope for the best. On Detroit's side of the ball, obviously haven't won a game yet, you know, but they were in it last week. And... I just feel for poor little Tink Tink. You know, Jared Goff watching another man live his best life. And it's like running into your ex and the man she's seeing, living in the house you used to live in, and hanging out with your old friends while you're in a 1-1 somewhere, dining on ramen and Bud Light. So it's got to be surreal for, <laughs> you know, Goff to just go through that playing Matt uh, last week, and um, Stafford just obviously did his thing, which we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, this week, from Detroit's perspective, Hawkinson's the only one you can really trust. The backfield is a complete mess. They just continue to split carries. And again, in today's NFL, that's kind of a common thing, but fantasy-wise, it's just something you can't rely on. I'd rather, especially if it's a flex position, I'd rather put a wide receiver in there that I... I know is going to have a, a decent floor versus a running back that just, it's it's a total crapshoot. So, speaking of crapshoots, uh, the Houston Texans are taking on the Los Angeles Rams this week. Now, Houston is obviously the underdog. The Rams are favored by 14 and a half in this one. And I actually like Houston to cover the 14 and a half. And this could come back to bite me, but I'm erring on the side of the fact that I think Terod Taylor may play. So let's talk about the Rams first. Matt Stafford, obviously we talked about the game last week against Detroit. He let his nuts hang and, you know, wanted to show out against his toxic ex. So 334 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Cup went 10 catches for 156 yards. The Rams just doing what they do. They are the fewest penalized team in the NFL, and also on defense, they get after you. 20 sacks, which is second best in the NFL, behind only, uh, technically third, but uh, only one sack behind both the Bears and the Vikings, who have 21. But, you know, the Rams are just 
looking amazing at this point in the season. And what they should do this week is crush an inferior team like a frat boy crushing a case of White Claws. So I think that Henderson will win some fantasy games this week against the second worst rushing defense in the NFL. So I look for more ground game this week. On Houston's side of the ball, listen, you got Texanly harassed by toxic cardinality. And 31-5 to is not, not a score that you want to remember. But it's on to the next, and you hope that the score doesn't look similar this week. But not only did you get your ass kicked uh, last week, but something, something, I wrote notes. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. I can't read them. I don't know what they say. But just imagine in your mind it was really funny and poignant. So let's talk about the Texans. Second worst offense in the league. And I just, again, if Terod Taylor comes back, I think you can get them within 14 and a half. I think it's doable. Um, And the Rams got to be due for a, like, lull game, right? You know, not saying that they would lose, but just, you know, all right, they eke one out by 12 points or something. I don't know. That's where my money's going this week. So next game on the slate, San Francisco 49ers. They're favored by three and a half over Chicago. Despite last week's game, I like San Francisco by the three and a half. Now, last week, they got knocked the fuck out, which how the hell you get knocked the fuck out when Debo is literally on your team? You're supposed to be doing the knocking the fuck out, but I digress. So the 49ers have 11 giveaways so far this season, which is fourth worst in the NFL. But on the positive side, they do have the bed, the bed. I'm I'm keeping it together. I'm trying, folks. I'm trying. They do have the best red zone percentage in the NFL. So once they get down there, they do score. That's what she said. Um, This will continue against the Chicago Bears while the 49ers at the same time impressively continue to pretend that Brandon Ayuk doesn't exist. I think Eli Mitchell has a much tougher day against the Bears because they do have a good defense. You know, last week, the Bears obviously got blown the fuck out. Um, They've given up 26 sacks, which is the worst in the NFL. And Justin Fields last week had three interceptions. But listen, this is what you wanted. This is what the people wanted. They didn't care about Andy Dalton. They didn't care how green the rookie was. Throw him in there. It's better for him to learn. Well, all right, he's learning. This is what it looks like. This is exactly what the fuck it looks like, so you can't complain about it. This is literally what you wanted. So, Khalil Herbert, 133 all-purpose yards last week. Obviously, he's going to continue holding it down until David Montgomery is able to come back. A-Rob, two catches for 16 yards is a war crime. I mean, I'm about to send SEAL Team 6 to extract him from the Bears. I think that it's just a travesty that one of the best wide-receiving talents in the NFL just continues to have no ability to make money for himself or to show out his talent or all of the above. Um, 
you know, the Bears, third worst offense in the NFL, but you've got the most sacks in the NFL. So somewhere between that atrocious offense and the decent defense, they're going to try to give San Francisco a run for their money. Anything is possible, but I like San Francisco by the three and a half points this week. Now, New England Patriots at Los Angeles Chargers. This is another one of the few that I'm not putting a bet on. I could see this game going a couple of different ways, and the Chargers are favored by 5.5 in this one, which seems a little rich for my blood because of New England's defense. Now, last week, the Pats waterboarded the Jets like the good old days. Mac Jones was 24 of 36, 307 yards, 2 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. Now, it's not... Mac's fault that they played the Jets like Mac did well however the New England Patriots are one and four this year against any team not named the New York Jets so they still have a long way to go now this week I think Harris is gonna eat against the worst rushing defense in the NFL I also love the trick ration and gadget plays that I've seen out of New England. I mean, New England football is just fun again. It's it's fun to watch. So I'm interested to see what Bill can throw at young Mr. Herbert this week and see just how good Justin Herbert will be trying to bounce back and atone for that embarrassing that happened um, against Baltimore before their bye week. As far as fantasy-wise, you know your players with the Chargers. You've got Allen, you've got Mike Williams, you've got um, Austin Eckler. Those guys are going to do their thing, and you can start with full confidence. Now, here's a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence, Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going out west to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are only favored by three in this game which I absolutely love. Now, the Jaguars are so maligned, are so bad. Every time I find a stat that's in the worst of the worst categories, nine times out of ten, it's the Jaguars at the top. Give you an example. We talked about special teams with the Ravens, 17-yard average on punt returns. The Jags averaged 3.3 yards on punt returns 3.3 that's that's it it's atrocious they also have a league worst 42.9 percent field goal rate and they've missed three extra points they have only made one field goal this year on u.s soil it's uh It's not going to be pretty, and I'm very surprised that Seattle is only favored by three. I saw the Saints game. I get it, but, you know, nah, I like Seattle by three. Easy there. So Seattle last week, unfortunately, couldn't even score 14 points to beat the Saints. Alex Collins came back down to earth, and half of Geno Smith's 167 yards came on one play, early in the game to DK Metcalf. Now this week, the one good thing for the Seahawks is the offense has only turned the ball over four times this entire year, which is best in the NFL. Protect the ball, 
and skin these cats like that weird girl from high school who used to make purses out of roadkill. Get your first home W and pray that Russell Wilson is healthy soon because the new chef sucks. Now let's talk about somebody who does not suck. That would be Mr. Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking on the New Orleans Saints and the Buccaneers are favored on the road by six points. Now last week, Tom Brady nonchalantly threw for four touchdowns and no picks against a very good defense with the Bears. Then Mike Evans gave away (laughs) Brady's 600 touchdown ball to a fan and there's been a lot of talk about what the fan got or should have got for giving that ball back. So the compensation that that fan received is season tickets this year and next, two signed jerseys, a helmet, cleats, and $1,000 to spend in the team store. So we asked you guys on Twitter, what would you ask for? And here are some of the best answers that you guys submitted. Bitcoin. Lots and lots of Bitcoin. Another answer is that Brady would have to agree to throw left-handed in his next game. Another answer is they would exchange the ball in return for Brady retiring. Don't know if it would work, but it's always worth a shot. Another answer that I liked was they would give the ball back for the full story on Deflategate and Spygate. And then my personal favorite, One Night with Giselle. And that would probably be my winner. So thank you for the submissions. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at RegulatorsPod. We hit 6,000 followers this week, and I just I can't even tell you guys how much I appreciate it because it allows me to do what I do and to give back to you guys. And it's a circle, circular, motion, feel the flow, ride the bull. So this week, the Buccaneers will try to ride the bull. They have the number three scoring offense in the league, second best red zone scoring offense, and the one thing I think from a fantasy perspective you have to be careful about, Fournette has come on strong recently, but I think he may have a little bit of trouble against the Saints defense. So last week, the Saints got it done. Alvin Kamara, 179 all-purpose yards. Jameis didn't do anything really that impressive, but the defense got the W over Seattle. This week, I think that they really have to try to get after Brady. He has the lowest sack rate in the NFL, but one thing that we do know is true about Tom Brady, the more you get in his face, the less he plays very, very well. And that's not to say that Tom Brady can't against the Blitz, can't do the blah, blah, blah. But the numbers show when you get in his face, when you pressure him, when you hit him, when you knock him to the ground, he plays much worse. And, you know, obviously that's probably true for a lot of quarterbacks. But that's the only shot that, you know, the Saints really have uh, is to get in Brady's face. Now, Winston, for his role will need to be poised and get the ball out quick because the Buccaneers themselves are the highest blitzing team in the NFL. And I see Kamara screens for days in this game. But ultimately, I like Tampa Bay 
by the six points in this game. Um, but I hope it's a good game. I hope it's really close. I'd love to see the Saints and the Bucks fight it out, especially for a division game. But let's move on to the Washington football team. Washington football team is taking on Denver in Denver. And Denver is favored by three. And I actually like Washington to cover the three. It's a toss-up. Could go either way because neither one of these teams is fantastic. But last week, Washington played the Green Bay Packers. You don't usually lose a game by 14 points when you have 195 rushing yards, 95 of which were from Heineke. Terry McLaurin, 7 catches, 122 yards. This defense is so bad, and it's so crazy because last year they were one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. They got after the quarterback. They have so many former number one picks on that defensive line, and it's just crazy that this defense is allowing 30 points per game and then expects Taylor Heineke to go be a fucking hero every week and obviously you just can't expect that week in and week out. So this week, you know, I do expect Washington to try to prey on a team that hasn't won a game in a month and just let the run game carry you. Don't try to do too much and hope that the Broncos make some mistakes. Speaking of the Broncos, last week, you know, remember when Denver showed up week three in the rented Ferrari and showed you their home in Tuscany? Now, here we are week eight, and they have been exposed for the multi-level marketing frauds that they are. The only positive right now they have going is that their kicker hasn't missed a kick all year. You broke my heart, Broncos. I am the biggest Teddy Bridgewater stan, and I wanted to believe that the Broncos' defense was back, and so far, like a Looney Tune. Absolutely nothing so this week if teddy bridgewater cannot redeem himself against the worst pass defense in the nfl that's giving up 300 yards per game passing then it's not gonna happen and i i don't know what to tell the denver broncos fantasy wise the running back split is still dead even there's no winners in that scenario, fantasy-wise. Last week, I had to plug in Melvin Gordon. He got me my touchdown. I got my W in a bye week, in a tough week, but it's really hard to trust either one of those guys. The one silver lining you have is Jerry Judy may be back this week, so I would proceed with extreme caution. But if he's not, you would think that Patrick and Sutton should have high floors, but who knows, because we thought that most of the past few weeks, and it just hasn't really been true. Now let's talk about Sunday Night Football. Dallas Cowboys taking on the Minnesota Vikings. The Cowboys are a three-point road favorite. Last week they had the bye, but number one scoring offense, third best rushing attack. Dalton Schultz is being slept on. I really think that Dak might perform his opus under the primetime lights. And from Minnesota's perspective, they were on a bye as well last week. They are tied 
for the worst, uh, I'm sorry, for the most in the league with 21 sacks, uh, but they have one less game than Chicago. So technically more sacks per game uh, than Chicago. So let's see if they have the balls to bring that heat on Dak because they have to get home. If they don't get home, Dak is going to make them pay. And the fact that Dalvin Cook owners are just sitting there right now going, what the fuck? Like, where's my rushing touchdowns? Where's my points? And it's uh, Minnesota is just such a weird team. And speaking of weird things, Kirk Cousins is available in damn near every league. I originally, before I lost three days worth of work, had the exact number. But I swear to God, it's like 95%. Of fantasy leagues and he is top 10 fantasy quarterback so people just don't like people who don't make it sexy like if he threw some sideways no look passes or he was on a team that won a ship ton of games then everybody would draft him or everyone would pick him up off of waivers but because he's not nobody cares so if he's floating around and you need somebody definitely pick you up some Kirk Cousins now last game of the week Monday Night Football, New York Giants taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by 10 points in this game, which if this was a year ago, I'd be all over that spread for Kansas City. But I actually like the Giants to cover the 10 points. Let's talk about the Giants. Last week, they surprised the Panthers. When they walked in with their own switch and made him scream, No, Daddy, no! 25-3 to last week. Panthers were not expecting that shit. And listen, Daniel Jones wasn't spectacular, but he has a chance to be this week. And he is available in 72% of leagues and playing a trash defense. The only bugaboo is that The Giants have the worst red zone conversion percentage in the league. So they're going to have to score from outside the red zone because once they get in there, it's kind of unlikely to happen. So that doesn't give me high hopes. But the Kansas City defense is so trash, I think you're rolling with Daniel Jones uh, if you have the opportunity to. And I also like the G-men to cover the 10 because of that defense. Um other fantasy stuff, you know, the wide receivers are just too banged up for me to trust unless you have to. Somebody's going to get some yards, for sure. But I don't know who it is. I I really don't know. And there's, again, I'm, I'm watching it daily, and that's, that's something you're just going to have to watch right up until Sunday. Monday, even. Excuse me. But um, let's talk about the Chiefs. Now, last week... They got humbled by the Titans. Mahomes has as many interceptions this year as Aaron Rodgers does in his last 52 games. The Chiefs gave away the ball last year 16 times on the season. They've already given it away 17 times this year, which is worst in the league. I cannot even imagine what sort of sad TikToks Lil Bro is doing at this point. Hey buddy, you ever have your TikTok liked by a fat man in an overcoat? This week, I expect the 
Kansas City Chiefs to do their thing offensively. Um, but what that defense is going to do is anybody's question. Uh, I think that the pass catchers are going to get back to form. They'll get their points. I don't think Williams is going to get a lot of points as far as the run game is concerned. There's always a shooter's chance, but I just don't see it happening. Now, we've covered all the games. Let's talk about some sexy parlay action. Now, again, if you're new to betting, first of all, you can always reach out. You can always DM me if you have any questions. Always hit us up on Regulators Pod. But if you're like, I hear these parlays, I hear these teasers, I hear this stuff, like, what's this all about? So, most of the bets that we make are all straight bets. So, everything that I've given you when I say I like Dallas minus three, I like the Giants to cover the 10 points. That's a single bet. I bet on the Giants. Then I go bet on Dallas. Then I go bet on the next team. So they're all separate bets. And that's why when I tell you that we crushed it last week, you know, that's our record on straight bets going against the spread. Okay? Now you also have what's called parlay bets. With a parlay, you have to win them all or you win nothing. So usually a parlay isn't something you really bet the house on. It's just something, you know, you throw some pocket change, and if you make some money, you make some money. Because it takes multiple teams to win, and they all have to win, the odds are usually much greater, so you don't have to throw down as much money. So let me give you an example. This week, my four-way parlay is plus 988. So if you put a $5 bet down, you win $50. Five bucks? You make 10 times your money. So here's our four-way parlay. We've got Green Bay plus seven. So you're going to buy a half a point. Now, if you're asking me, well, what does that mean? When you go to make bets, especially on my bookie, you have the opportunity to kind of cheat a little bit and get a little bit extra in your favor. So Green Bay uh, was six and a half, but... We bought it at seven. So we bought a half point to where if Green Bay gets within seven points on Thursday night, then we win that bet. So the other one that we bought a point and a half on is Houston. So we got Houston to plus 16, and we bought them at one and a half. Now, again, this is part of the parlay. And then the other two teams are Seattle minus three and Dallas minus three. So your four-way parlay, where all four of these have to hit, is Green Bay plus seven, Houston plus 16, Seattle minus three, and Dallas minus three. Five dollars will win you $50 on that one, as the odds are right now. Now remember, everything changes literally by the minute. So the sooner you lock them in, the closer you're going to be to that. Now, normally... We do an eight-team parlay as well. This is obviously much harder to hit. Same concept. You throw a couple bucks down, but the payoff is usually much better. Now, what we did this week is my bookie is actually doing a six-point teaser. Now, the way a six-point teaser works is you actually get an extra six points on all of your bets. So what does that mean? So we just talked about 
how Green Bay was at six and a half originally, right? Well, on this parlay, we got Green Bay at plus 12 and a half. So all they have to do is get within 12 points on Thursday night. They don't even have to win. They got to get within 12 points and we win that bet. So let me give you the rundown of all these bets that we got with our six-point teaser. So that means a free six points on top of what the spread already was. So we've got Green Bay plus 12.5, Miami plus 19.5, Houston plus 20.5, Chicago-San Francisco game, we took the under on 46. So the over-under was originally set at 40. We got it at 46 and took the under. Seattle, we've got it plus three. So they were three-point favorites. Now we have them at three-point underdogs, so they just have to get within three. The Chargers, we have it plus half a point. The Buccaneers, we have it a pick em. So all the Bucks have to do is win. The Cowboys, we have it plus three. And the Giants we got at plus 16. So again, normally it's an eight-way, but with that six-point teaser, I threw in an extra one. I was just feeling it. It felt good. So it's a nine-team super parlay with six-point teasers, which puts you at plus 2,000 on the bets. $5 pays out $100 when I lock those in. So that's your nine-team super parlay with the teaser. Now, before we get out of here, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting our hustle. I would love to show my appreciation by doing a double secret probation raffle only for the listeners, you guys who are listening to this right now. So here's how this is going to work. If you can hear my voice, then I want you to message me and say the word plethora. P-L-E-T-H-O-R-A, plethora. You can DM me on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. You can email me at info at RegulatorsPod.com. Just shoot me a message that says plethora, and I will enter you for a secret drawing for something special. Now, with that said, I am so excited for next week. Because when we speak again, it will be post-trade deadline, and it is going to be the red wedding of podcasts. I look forward to seeing you all in the Twitter streets, and as the philosopher Wayne once said, be good or be good at it. Love you guys. Come out.